Welcome to a special FO1 News primary debate between the Republican candidates for New York State Assembly in the 131st District. I'm Josh Durso. In just a couple weeks, Anne-Marie Heisman, Cindy Wade, Jeff Gallahan, and Jeff Shipley will square off under unusual circumstances brought on by the coronavirus pandemic. What will turnout look like? Who will win? While voters get to answer those two questions, there are many others for the candidates themselves. FingerLakes1.com has brought all four together today, and we hope to get through as many of the important ones as possible. Before we get started, a few guidelines for the candidates. Each will have two minutes for an introduction, and then two more minutes to answer each question. If a candidate needs to respond to another individual's answer, they will be allotted 30 seconds to do so. All right, let's get started with introductions. Cindy, lead us off. Thank you, Josh. Well, I was born and raised here in this district, and I love it. I was fortunate to have a great role model in my dad. He was a small businessman. He was a veteran. He uh, taught me to work hard, to be honest, and to treat everyone with respect. And those are values that I live by every day. He always said to me, Cindy, don't complain unless you do something about it. So here I am running for the assembly. I have over 30 years of experience business experience, I am proactive, I'm a result-driven and determined person, and I am determined to keep our district thriving. Throughout my tenure in Canandaigua City Council, I was often the only Republican, but was able to work with many of the different members, and we actually got the job done. I am fiscally conservative and will work hard to rein in irresponsible spending. I'm an ardent supporter of law enforcement and the Second Amendment. I believe in the right to life, and I'm a strong supporter of our farms. I will bring my years of financial fact-finding and planning experience to every issue being addressed. We must prioritize and plan to revive our local economy, which has been decimated by COVID. New York State needs a plan to address future epidemics. We need to ensure that we are prepared financially and safely to go into the future. Jeff. Well, thank you, Josh. My name is Jeff Shipley. I'm running for New York State Assembly to be the strong leader and fighter that our district needs. I'm, I was born and raised here, educated here, lived and worked most of my life right here. I have proven experience in communicating our values and our way of life to those that are not from here, including Albany lawmakers. I've worked for the New York State Assembly as a legislative staffer and know my way well around that chamber. I've helped both Ontario and Seneca counties grow into world-class tourism destinations. And for the past 10 years, I've served as the president and CEO of the Seneca County Chamber of Commerce, where I've helped transform that organization into an industry leader and positioned it well for the future. I am confident in my abilities to help the 131st District realize similar success. Thank you. Jeff. Thank you, Josh. And thank you for hosting this debate today. These difficult times, it's hard for us to get out in front of the people, and this is a great venue. We appreciate it very much. I was born and raised in this district, and uh, I've been here uh, in Ontario County my whole life. I graduated from Victor Central School. I married my high school sweetheart, Lynn. We'll be celebrating our 42nd wedding anniversary in September. 
we have two children and three grandchildren, and they all live in Ontario County. Uh, our grandchildren do, and our, and our daughter, our son is in, uh, currently in Monroe County looking to move east. I started out as a, a machinist uh, on the floor at General Railway Signal in 1978 and worked my way through the machinist uh, program, became a journeyman, and after 10 years on the floor, decided to go into sales. I believe in my 30 years in sales and management and, and leadership roles, I'll be able to take that to Albany and fight for this district and come back a winner. I know how to get along with people. That's what I do for a living. I forge relationships. And once again, I thank you for the opportunity to be here, and I look forward to answering your questions. Anne-Marie? Hi there. I'm Anne-Marie Heisman. I'm a local farmer. I have spent the last 10 years on the Seneca County Farm Bureau Board um, as a volunteer working for this area. I've spent the last five years as president. I have worked tirelessly advocating at both the local, state, and federal levels. And I want to be able to take that experience and go to Albany. I already have a very extensive network there that I work with. So when I get there, I'll be able to hit the ground running. This area needs someone who's not another politician, not an empty suit. They need someone who's going to work hard for this district, who understands the needs, that we don't have the health care that we need in this area, that we don't have the housing that we need, you know, that the small businesses are being crushed by regulations. And just that go names just a few things we're about watershed issues and there's a lot more. Infrastructure and the list just goes on and on. And we need someone who's going to work hard for all those things and to someone who's going to take into account and really work on the new issues that we have thanks to the COVID crisis. Our budget is a mess and it's going to take a lot of hard work to get us out of this. So, you know, I look forward to going to Albany to represent all of you and I look forward to answering our questions. All right, so first up, we have a question from Pat Riley, who played a big role in making this debate possible. Uh, given that there is a budget gap in the tens of billions, what do each of you plan to, plan to do to reduce the rising costs to cities, towns, and counties in the 131st? Uh, Jeff, let's start with you on this one. Well, certainly, I think the COVID shutdown is, has, has really decimated uh, our state, uh, our economy. By most projections, it's going to take four years to recover to the levels of where we were uh, in 2000, at the end of 2019. So I think first and foremost has to be looking at creating a better business climate. We have got to improve our economy, our rules and regulations and restrictions placed on business. There are a number of policies that I would like to tackle first and foremost. I think there is a bipartisan piece of legislation that's sitting there and it is involving corporate tax rates, uh, lowering corporate tax rates for one, and tripling the income exclusion for LLCs. This is an important part for our district because most of our wineries are formulated as LLCs. So I'd like to see that legislation uh, move through uh, as soon as I am elected to office. I think it's a bipartisan bill and should have the support of my colleagues. I think the question also speaks a little bit to unfunded mandates. And I think that is a critical juncture of where we sit in New York State, Medicaid being the first and foremost uh, expense in when you're talking with unfunded mandates. And there are a number of things that I'd like to see on, on that to fix 
uh, where we are in New York. We spend way too much on Medicaid, in my opinion. We spend almost as much as Florida and Texas combined. I think there are ways that we can reduce that, that expense. Uh, I think just to name one example is the uh, Medicaid transport program, and uh, that has tripled costs in, in local communities. And so I'd like to take a look at, at that. But I think first and foremost, building a better business community and helping businesses uh, get the critical money that they need. Jeff? Thanks, Josh. Uh, way before COVID, our state was in financial distress, six, over $6 billion in the red. It's, it's not uh, something that happened in the last three, four, five months. It's been going on for quite some time. It's been coming out of Albany, and it's been dreadful for all of us, downstaters and upstaters. Working together, we can create a better environment for, for New York. Small business owners and job creators. I know how to help small businesses. I own one with my wife. To kickstart the upstate New York economy, we need to adopt a state spending tax cap and create uh, a credit to employers for every job that they create. We need to slash the red tape. Agriculture is the top job creator in Seneca and Ontario counties. And local farmers are being crushed by the Local Farm Fair Practices Act. As assemblyman, I will support the full repeal of this disastrous experiment and work with our local agricultural community to get government off their backs and back doing what they do best, growing crops, milking cows, and feeding us. For far too long, business and people have fled New York State's oppressive tax and regulation. Together, we need to make a decisive change to restore New York's rightful status as the Empire State. These regulations need to go. We need to get down there and get to business and tell the people in Albany that upstate matters, and I will fight down in Albany for every single, um, every single uh, option that opportunity that we have here in upstate. I will fight for the people here and uh, and get the job done. Thank you. Henry. Yeah. Well, I think at this point, the budget problem is huge and looming, and it has been, as Jeff stated, the budget problem was here before. We were, I believe, six billion in the hole before this started. So. You know, the first thing we need to do when we get into Albany, when I get to Albany, is actually take a real good hard look at how we spend our money because there are too many things that we do that just are not efficient in Albany. Um, an example that I was talking about yesterday, if you are a farmer and you have H-2A workers, there are three agencies from New York State to come in to inspect your housing. We need to stop having all these duplicate services in Albany. We need to actually look at how our state does things. We need to streamline and simplify. I know our governor's idea right now is we're just going to take percentage points off of all these different budgets. While that's the easy way to do it, that doesn't address the fact that we still have duplication, if not triplicate or quadruple, of the same services. So I think the best way to balance the budget is actually take a hard look at that budget, see what we're doing, see how we're doing it, and find out how we can do it better. And Cindy? Thanks, I, and I, I definitely agree with everyone else. We did, we were in trouble financially before we got into COVID. Yes, we were $6 billion in deficit. $4 billion of that was due to overspend for Medicaid. Mismanagement, new programs, especially for illegal immigrants. Yes, they can collect Medicaid. So we need to revise the Medicaid, the unfunded Medicaid program. We're currently looking at $13 billion, and probably over the next four years, about a $61 billion deficit. 
the first thing we need to do is we really need to financially take a look financially and pick apart where the fraud, the waste, the overspend is. It's crazy down there. The next thing that I, I would like to do is to see some redu reduction in some of the 300,000 regulations that are thrown at our businesses. No wonder people don't want to open or keep a business in New York State. Too much work. Um, as, as you had said, Medicaid definitely needs to be overlooked. But we also need to freeze spending. The governor in his uh, May 25th coronavirus update said that he wants to put New York back to work. So he is going to be spending millions of dollars, including $450 million, upgrading the throughway rest areas. Now, to me, this is, this is unnecessary. Do you know that the American Republican Conference proposed a Small Business Emergency Recovery Act as soon as the COVID hit? Which, of course, and what it called for was $890 million for our small businesses and from the Reserve Fund, and it was defeated easily in the Assembly, of course. I mean, we have got to all work together. And I'll leave it at there, Josh. Thank you. <laughs> So I want to hone in a little more, if we can, on, on spending or the reduction of spending. Uh, and this may not take as long to, to answer since we've already talked a bit about it, but uh, name a specific spending cut uh, that you would use your legislative power to see implemented. Uh, Jeff, let's start with you. I think I'd start with a legal defense fund for uh, illegal aliens. That's a 30 to $40 million fund that should be a non-existent fund. And I think we'll all agree in this room that the SAFE Act is not good, but total repeal of the SAFE Act is probably not going to happen. But if we defund the SAFE Act, we also save a whole bunch more money and we can eliminate the SAFE Act at the same time. So those are the first two um, objections that I would have when I hit Albany. Anne-Marie? I think the first thing I would hone in on is the duplication of services. So, like I said before, just in when it comes to inspections, we have so many different forces that go out and inspect different things, whether it's housing, even you know all these different business regulations, there are so many duplications. So with me, it's not so much one thing, it's take a look at the duplications and let's try to reduce those. And Cindy? Yeah, um, I would definitely look to repeal, amend the programs that are going to the illegal immigrants. I know my ancestors came here legally, they waited in line, and I really do feel very strong about that, that illegal aliens should not be able to get driver's licenses, should not be able to collect Medicaid, and should not be able to get college tuition. I mean, we all have to try to pay for our kids' college tuition. Um, and th then the other thing I would definitely look at is, um, is definitely focusing on the small businesses. The small businesses is where we see our biggest economic development. We need to make things much better for the small businesses, and that's cutting regulations. And we need to, I'm gonna reiterate this over and over again, we have got to freeze spending, on especially the, the three or four projects that Governor Cuomo wants to do in New York City. How does that help us up here and our small businesses that are dying? Jeff? Well, Josh, I think the question, if I heard it correctly, was what one program would you target for spending cuts? And I'm going to go back to my earlier response, and that's Medicaid. Medicaid program is way overbloated and unsustainable in New York State. 
If Albany wants to continue to grow this program, and they had a gravy train for a while under the last presidential administration when they were able to get uh, federal subsidies for it. If they want to continue to grow this to unsustainable uh, levels, then take it over. Take it over as a state-run program and reduce the burdens on the uh, local backs of county taxpayers. Medicaid is the highest expense in New York State that we have to get under control and manage. I would absolutely fight for the reduction of the program that we currently have in Medicaid. It's too expensive and unmanageable. All right. So next up, uh, voters are understandably concerned about the future of schools in the district and across New York State, for that matter. Uh, what would each of you do to help ensure the solvency and effectiveness of school districts in the 131st? Anne-Marie, let's start with you on this one. Okay. Well, for me, I have watched as my children have gone through the school system, and you know, I used to work in the school system. I have seen all these different ideas that have come out of Albany over the years, which were all disastrous. There was the reading program prior to Common Core, then there was Common Core. All these things have been disastrous. We have the most expensive school system, I believe, in the world. I know we, and we have lousy results. It needs to be completely overhauled. And I truly, I don't like the governor's idea of overhauling it by using Bill Gates and um, Schmidt from Google. You know, Gates didn't even finish college. Uh, if you're going to overhaul the school system, let's do it right. We have wonderful institutions of higher learning in the state that actually research education and know what will work. And I really think to solve the problems in the schools and to work forward is, you know, they say there's a lot of changes we're going to have to make because of COVID, schools, you know, how we're going to have the schools set up. Let's actually use these experts that we have in these schools and these universities across our state and actually reimagine education in a way that's going to work for everyone and they'll be best for our children. And Cindy? Yeah, I, I agree with Anne Marie. This reimagine education is a little scary to me. I think it's a wonderful idea to come up with a program that during snow days or if we do have some type of epidemic where we have to shut the schools or whatever, that we do have an alternative plan in place. But could you imagine a generation of kids that have been socially isolated with no exposure to different cultures and, and, edu and um, physical education? Yeah, th that's crazy. Education needs to be a priority. Um, I remember when New York State used to have the top rated schools, they now rank around 22nd, right in the middle of the pack. It's not right, it's, it's really not. And again, we need to uh, reassess where the money's going, where's the waste, where's the fraud, and be able to focus on education is one of our number one things. We need to educate our, our young people coming up because they are our future. Uh, well, again, I, I just want to come back to the question, as I understand it, Josh, uh, posed, and that's how to help the school districts become solvent. And I think first and foremost is to call on Governor Cuomo full transparency. Most of these school districts, their budgets start July 1st. They're going to have voters go to the poll and vote on a school budget without knowing how much money the school district is going to have. Governor Cuomo has unilaterally taken control of the state. He has unilaterally taken control of this budget and has free reign to do with it what he wants, cut where he wants. He is not communicating to the school districts how much money they have to play with. I think that's where we start. We have got to call on transparency. We have got to call on this uh, unprecedented exercise of power from Governor Cuomo 
needs to come to an end. So I would definitely call on transparency. We need to have our schools know how much money that they are operating with in the budget, know where the cuts are, are going to come, know what cuts are looking uh, at coming in the future. That's first and foremost. I, I do want to say something about the reimagining education as uh, my fellow candidates have addressed it already. I am against the reimagining uh, plan outlined by Governor Cuomo. I think more good comes from a school setting than just uh, learning about education. You also develop peer relationships. You develop bonds with uh, your teachers. Nothing substitutes the in-person learning. I think this is a wrong path to go down. I, I disagree uh, strongly with the governor on this reimagining, and I would fight against it. And Jeff? Thank you, Josh. Uh, this, this problem started many, many years ago, just as the budget crisis did. It's been going on for years in upstate. And the biggest problem is, when you look at the formulas for the, for the distribution of tax dollars to these schools upstate, we've been on the short end of the stick for a good many years, as, as long as I've been around and paid attention. That's got to stop. That formula is, is not fair. It has not been fair for years. The downstaters have been sticking it to us forever. And it's time that we, we go to Albany and we tell those folks, look it, these formulas are unfair and they need to be changed. As far as um, curriculum, which wasn't part of the question, but everybody's commented on it. I do have a, I do have a, a comment for that also. Um, the curriculum in our schools, as was stated earlier, our schools were top notch for years. Now they're not. What happened? Government got their hands in education. They don't belong there. Let the teachers teach and let the teachers figure out the curriculum because that's what they were trained to do, that's what they went to college to do, and that's where it should be. Anne-Marie? I think she's... I oh, she started. I started. <laughs> Here we go. Well, we'll have Rob, uh, too. <laughs> next up, uh, a question from Michael Maris, who is curious about the COVID-19 response and economic restrictions that were handed down by Governor Andrew Cuomo. Uh, what specific legislation would you try to pass to quicken the pace of economic growth uh, and hiring? Uh, Cindy, let's start with you. What would I... Okay. That was a long question. In, in short, what, what types of economic policies would you push for to quickly get uh, New York State moving in the right direction on the other side of the pandemic? Well, my, my first policy is to uh, spending freeze, period. No, uh, we, we have to stop spending and we have to understand what we're spending on, where the money's going, what's not needed, where we can find efficiencies. I have done this in my um, serving eight years on local government. Every year you come up with a, a deficit, every single year, and you have to make that balance, the budget balance. And we did that by reducing spending, actually evaluating exactly where the money was going, getting rid of waste, finding efficiencies, you know, which helped to improve the economies of scale. Um, I believe, uh, so the first thing that I would ask for is a freeze on spending, and then I would ask then to look at some of the mandates, the unfunded mandates that we have, including, um, as we were just speaking about schools, the schools now, the budget has increased so much because of the unfunded mandates issued by the state of New York. That is something that we really need to look at. We need to re revise the unfunded mandates, which I think will provide a lot more money back into the communities and into the state. So first and foremost, we need to get more cash in the hands of small businesses. We need to do that yesterday. 
And so I would support policies and proposals that have been talked about uh, at the Assembly Republican Minority Conference already. Uh, first and foremost, I think we need to direct the unallocated settlement funds directly to small businesses. I think that's a great use of that money. I think we need to uh, immediately pause, uh, if not repeal fully on the back end, but immediately pause the Farm Labor Work uh, Farm Fair Practices Act. The, um, the devastating consequences of that bill uh, I don't think has been fully realized. It just started on January 20th, and we need to provide our agricultural community uh, that relief immediately. I also think we need to look at some creative uh, options. There is a whole broad swath of rural communities that do not have good broadband technology. We need to invest in broadband technology to help promote telemedicine, to help promote distance uh, 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 commuting, uh, work from, from, from home types. Um, these are real practical solutions that we can come up with today uh, that are sorely needed. But at first and foremost, it begins with getting money into the hands of small businesses. And I would do everything I could to find programs that we can do just that. Jeff? Well, Josh, the first thing you have to do to revive this economy is put people back to work. We can't have healthy people staying home and, and, and paying all kinds of money um, through these, these giveaway programs. So you put people back to work and they create new jobs. You give tax credits for those new jobs that are created. You do that, this, this economy will snowball like nobody's business and we, and, and we will be successful again. I mean, it's, it's a, just a it's, 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 it's simple um, trickle-down economics. You put people back to work, they're gonna spend money. With people sitting home, and your question was due to the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, you know, how do we do it? And, and uh, I can't think of a quicker way. Put them back to work. Let's go back to work. Anne-Marie? So um, I think that first and foremost is we need to let businesses actually do business. The state has so many crushing regulations and rules and, and fees that, you know, businesses are required to abide by. If you want to get things going fast, and this is something that's been proposed through you know, Albany for years and it keeps getting shot down. You know, um, Assemblyman Cole was always very strong about trying to get rid of all these regulations that are on businesses. Mm -hmm. They need to actually go ahead and finally reduce a lot of those regulations that keep the businesses, you know, unfortunately not able to thrive. All right. Uh, next question. Uh, how are you going to work to advocate on behalf of upstate New York with so many downstate interests uh, really in control in Albany right now? Jeff, let's start with you. Great question. And I believe the issues that matter the most in the 131st district are widespread throughout upstate. So then my goal would be to strengthen the influence of upstate. When you put it in those terms, there is much more that unites us than divides us and regardless of party affiliation. So in, to that end, to enact that type of change requires someone with the skill set to communicate a message and to build a coalition of like-minded supporters to rally around. I have experience in this manner. I am the only candidate that worked for the New York State Assembly and I know how that chamber works. I am the only candidate that I know of that is the head of a statewide advocacy group. And I have 
current relationships, existing relationships with key lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. Uh, this is something that is uh, certainly an important um, consideration in the assembly minority, but it is something that we can use to our advantage and use the fact that we are a strong upstate voice to our advantage in developing this change. I am uh, so excited to be able to have the ability to go to Albany and influence in the manner that I am accustomed to at the Chamber of Commerce, and I'll leave the, with this. My philosophy at the Chamber of Commerce, at the statewide Chamber Association, is that I may not always get the end result that I was necessarily looking for, the outcome that I was looking for in a particular piece of legislation. But I always had an impact on that outcome. That's something that we worked very hard to bring a voice to the Seneca County Chamber of Commerce, and we did so very effectively. Go ahead, Jeff. Thanks, Josh. First and foremost, um, I would take my 32 years experience that I have in sales and sales manager, forging relationships to Albany. There's nothing short of experience, and 32 years of experience is quite a bit. On top of that, my 11 years as supervisor for the town of Manchester, four years prior to that as uh, town councilman, those are, all, those are all great years, great experience, being able to forge relationships, bring people together, and show people the way that things should be, the way that things want to be in upstate New York. When I get to Albany, I'll be able to do that. I'm confident that those people down there will be able to understand how we live in New York, upstate New York. They'll be able, able to understand that, you know what, we can't jump on a, on a, on a train car and take it in, into work in the morning. That when you, when you crash us with $25 for a license plate fee, it affects us directly upstate. It has nothing to do with downstate. So once, once I get down there, I'll be able to uh, relate to those folks, take my years of experience down there, and come back here with, with some victories, I'm sure. Anne-Marie? Yep. I have spent the last 10 years working in Albany as a volunteer with the Seneca County Farm Bureau. I have built a network with both the upstate lawmakers and with downstate lawmakers. I, too, have had been able to have impacts on different legislation that has affected the state over the last 10 years. I have always been very good at making friends and being able to talk with people, negotiate with people. Um, I have a little bit more experience doing that than my colleague to the side. I don't want to say how old I am, but um, <laughs> I have been doing that for a long time. And I think one of the things that sticks out most with me is that I have worked with everyone from preschoolers to retirees and everyone from somebody that has, you know, a grade school education all the way up to PhDs. Um, you know, and I've been able to work with all these different people successfully over my career. So when I go to Albany, I will be able to take that network that I already have in Albany, I'll be able to take my ability to communicate with people and to be able to create relationships, and I will use that to move forward and to get you know, what we need for upstate. And Cindy? Well, first let me start by saying I am the only candidate running that has served as an elected official in the minority my whole tenure and candidate with City Council. And I did that very well. I did that by working with all members. We all respected each other. We co clearly communicated. We got the job done. I brought a lot of research and facts 
And I, to tell you the truth, I think they really enjoyed me doing their research and work for them. And then they seemed to come over, and we were able to come to consensus on many, many uh, um, items and accomplish a lot. So when I look at downstate versus upstate, we have completely different um, issues, completely different things that we're concerned about. It is just like two different states. So we really need to educate ourselves on what is important for each one. And then we need to develop our voter block here up in upstate New York. It doesn't have to be all Republicans, but it has to be all like-minded people that I that um, like-minded people. Sorry, Jeff. Josh, I'm laughing at you. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, like-minded people that um, agree on the same things. And we come to consensus. And as Assemblyman Kolb told me, that the Republican conference has brought to proposed a ton of great legislation. And in order for the super minority to get things passed, they work with some Democrats. The Democrats may We'll work together and we'll tweak it a little bit and then it gets passed because it comes from a Democrat. So there's a lot of different logic and strategies that we can use, but um, I really believe that uh, we can get the job done and I am so used to working in the minority that it's not a problem for me. And Jeff, let's start, uh, let's start with you on this next question. Uh, how will you use your voice and your position to be able to strengthen the Republican Party's voice in upstate New York and throughout New York State, uh, which, as has already been mentioned, is clearly going to be important uh, if policy is going to pass? Well, not all policy that you propose is going to pass, that's for certain. But you have to propose policy in order for your constituents, who you're listening to all the time, so that the governor and the downstaters and the upstaters know exactly which, what, where your values are and what you're looking for. As I stated earlier, my 30 years experience, 30 plus years experience in sales, that's what I do. We negotiate sales, we're back and forth. Um, I show them the, the solution the, to their problem and, and, uh, and, and sell them the solution. I'm, an, I'm a sales engineer. You just take that same philosophy to Albany. And, and when you get to Albany and you have a situation that, that you're fighting for upstate, um, you can propose legislation through other folks um, and, and have it be their idea. Bring, have them bring it back to, to, the, uh, to, to the assembly for, for a vote. Um, hopefully it makes both houses and, and we're successful, but um, it's just the experience and the experience at the, at the supervisor's level when, when there's a controversial subject that, that hits the floor up there. Um, you know, if I'm on the minority or the majority, they always hear my side. I always speak up and uh, I think I'm a very good influence up there. Afterwards, um, we're all friends. We, we, we meet afterwards. And, it, and it's all, uh, um, at the end of the day, uh, we all get along. And that's the way it should be in Albany. But you need to go down there and you need to have the, the ability to get along with people, the ability to have your views viewed by other people in a non-confrontational manner. Anne-Marie? Okay, so can you restate the question again? When it comes to strengthening the party's voice across New York State as a whole, how will you use your position to do that? Okay, well that's actually a fairly easy question because it's basically taking what I have done as the Farm Bureau, Bureau President, letting our positions be known, and just translating that into Albany. So I'm gonna meet with people, I'm gonna you know, make sure that we have the voice, you know, use the social media, write articles in newspapers, communicate, and make sure that people know, you know what we're doing, what we stand for, and you know, what we're trying to accomplish. So, okay. simple. Cindy? 
Um, and, and I believe that uh, strength comes in numbers. So as I said before, um, I think it's very important to have a voter block and that instead of your one voice, you're going to be a group of voters. So you're going to be a group of like-minded um, legislators who actually have the same values and want the same things for upstate. And once we actually get the facts, we bring the information, we do a presentation on why, what is the impact, how we plan for this legislation, what's the impact, what is the risk to people. If people can understand and see a project all the way through, or a piece of legislation all the way through, I really think that it resonates. I know I've done it in my past, and it's worked well. I've had many accomplishments that I had proposed on city council as the only Republican. And, you know, they're well thought out. They're not Republican or Democrat or conservative or anything. They're what is best for our community. And I, I truly believe that by all of us working together, creating that voter block, we need to, as I said before, work together. Uh, we'll definitely have to work together with Democrats. And I hope to have Democrats in our voter block as well, that, because we all are working together to fight for upstate New York. All right, Jeff? Well, so to strengthen the party's uh, voice, which I believe was the question, I, I think it is very important. The Assembly Republican Conference plays a very important role in New York state politics. It is the, the conference of common sense. Um, Leader Barkley has done a tr tr terrific job to help influence policy decisions that are made in Albany. As I said a minute ago, maybe they haven't all gone the way the Assembly Republican Conference wanted them to go, but at least they made an impact in the way those legislations have come out. It is our job, it is my job as an Assemblyman to have that other side heard. Make sure our voices are ring loud, whether they be in Buffalo or they be in the Bronx. And very clearly, the biggest thing that I would be a voice of is that we need common sense policies that treat Main Street different than Wall Street. Too many of the policy decisions that come out of New York state government are a one size fits all. And it is clearly not the same world upstate than it is in downstate. And so I, I do embrace the role of the Assembly Republican Conference. I think there is a very good opportunity to influence others and, and give them the other side on, on the issue. All right, uh, next question comes uh, from Kim Skelly who asks, uh, what legislation would you propose to help farmers deal with the challenges they are facing right now and have been facing over the last several years? Uh, in the post-pandemic world, and let's start with you. Okay, well, there's so many things that we could do with that question. Um, and at the state level, because I know for Kim, some of his biggest issues are actually uh, federal level with H-2A workers, but at the state level, once again, we first of all, we need to repeal the horrible Omnis Labor Act. I mean, that is crippling farms. We need to take a look at a lot of the other uh, regulations and rules that also are hurting farms. You know, there's trucking regulations and it just, you can go on for hours with all the different regulations that there are that are crippling farms at this point. And we need to reduce those regulations, make it easier for farms to farm and let them farm. Because the very first thing you have to do is take care of that labor bill, because that is definitely crippling, especially the smaller farms. Cindy? 
Well, I'm gonna, I definitely agree with Anne-Marie. We need to review the Farm Worker Fair Labor Act. Yeah. There are so many things that are, that are crippling our farms and have been. And I have a number of things that I w would like to see done. Well, first, we need to reduce the ridiculous regulations that we've already talked about. It's crazy. We need to look at the um, minimum wage. It's, it's hurting our farms. Our farms can't afford it. It goes up. I know that uh, I spoke with a, a dairy farmer. And so not only are they um, dumping milk today, they've cut the production 15%. And they've lost two workers because of the, uh, the Labor Act law that was proposed, by the way, by a downstate legislator who I'm sure has never even smelled manure. Um, and right now they're paying overtime for over 60 hours a week. They're pushing for 40 hours a week. She had to cut two, two uh, laborers from 68 hours to 63 hours because she couldn't afford the overtime. Because let's face it, cows do not only work five, nine to five, they're 24 seven. And um, they left, they left for another state where we didn't have those regulations. So I also know that this particular farmer that I spoke to is losing over $100,000 in dumping milk and milk pro uh, reduction, production reduction. And the um, program that the government is offering is just not even going to put a dent in that to reimburse them, to help them out, to get back on. So we need to start cutting these terrible, the, the minimum wage, the Paid Family Leave Act, all these things that are impacting our small businesses, including our farms. Our farms are treasures up here. We are so lucky to be so close to fresh fruit and produce. And I wonder, where does New York City get their, their fresh produce and dairy from? I really would love to see, I know New York State, and I'm probably running over, has a Taste of New York program. They, and so over seven years, they only have 71 stores in all of New York State. Why can we not develop that program, work with retailers, and push New York products, and make sure that there's, the New York City people are incentivized to buy New York and support the rest of the state? All right, fair enough. Uh, Jeff, weigh in here. Well, again, I, I take a similar tack in terms of it's not so much a new piece of legislation that I would uh, propose as much as it's one that I would get rid of. And this Farm Worker Fair Labor Act has to go. But one of the concerns I have on this Farm Worker Labor Act, as you've heard earlier, uh, is the threshold, the overtime threshold being proposed from 60 hours to 40 hours. This is in the hands of a wage labor board, an unelected wage labor board. I would immediately put legislation forward that we disband these unelected boards. They have too much control, too much power, and too much say over an industry that is still grasping to figure out what the effects of this damaging legislation are. So as I said earlier, I would immediately call for the suspension at least of a year of this Farm Labor Fair Protection uh, Act, but I would also take aim at these unelected boards. All right, Jeff? Well, there's no question. The Farm Labor Fair Practices Act has got to go, and I would fully support repeal of that act. <clears throat> but I want to take that one step further. <clears throat> this act was, was placed the same way that the SAFE Act was placed, in the same way that, that, that um, many, many, other, um, many other pieces of legislation that come out of Albany. If you go in a dark room, they talk about it. 
they don't consult the farmers. They don't consult any, any experts in the field. And they come up with these, these fair, this Fair Labor Practice Act. So what's going to happen? Well, what they're trying to do is they're trying to allow Joe to get paid overtime for anything over 40 hours. Well, this law went into effect in January, January 1. Already in February, they're talking about amendments to this to make it stricter. Well, Joe is not going to go, the farmer's not going to pay overtime, can't afford it, go out of business. So what does Joe do? He works for Farm A down the street for 40 hours, and then he contracts with Farm B for 20 or 30 hours and gets his hours in. And that's what's happening. And these, these folks that, that enact these laws, they're, they're supposing that Joe is going to get paid overtime from the farm he works at. That's not going to happen. In reality, that is not going to happen. And it's going to hurt Joe more than it's going to help Joe. And it's also going to kill our local farms. The same thing happened with, the, with, like I said before, same thing happened with the SAFE Act. The same thing happened with bail reform and discovery. They never, they never talked to any of the experts. They never, they never talked with bail reform and discovery. They never talked to anybody, uh, local police officers, the DA, um, any kind of law enforcement. And the same rhetoric keeps coming out of Albany time and time and time again. They think they know what's better for us upstate. They think they know what they're doing. And it just they need to consult with the experts and, and have a plan not just come out with guns blazing and pass these laws. All right, as we near the end of our hour here, uh, we have a question from Tricia Turner and Tom Fox. We're curious about the long view of the race. Uh, their que question is simple. Uh, will each of you vow to support the choice of the Republican voters in June's primary uh, this fall to help ensure unity? Uh, Cindy, let's start with you. Well, I think that probably only relates to Jeff Gallahan and myself as we're endorsed by other parties. But um, I would like to say that I have been an active member of the Ontario County Republican Committee for over 15 years, and I chair the city of Canandaigua Republican Committee. And so I uh, value the committee very much, and I will always support whatever candidate that is chosen by the people. And Jeff? Well, I, I think as Cindy mentioned, I am squarely focused on the Republican primary. So it is the only line that I uh, have uh, gone after, chosen to gone after. So it probably doesn't, doesn't apply to me. Jeff? Well, as Cindy stated, uh, we're both uh, endorsed by other, other parties. So um, I respect each candidate in this room. I respect their, their, their opinions. And uh, I would continue to do that no matter what the outcome of, uh, of, the, of the primary is. And Anne-Marie? I'll say, and I, I am just focused on the Republican primary, and I will support whoever wins the primary. All right, so let's get into uh, closing statements. Cindy, we'll start with you on that. All right. Uh, we have reached nearly the end of this hour. Thank you all for coming out today. Well, thank you, let's, Josh. Let's get I, right into it. It's so nice to actually get out and see people in the one room. <laughs> so in, in close, I, I would just like to say Assemblyman Brian Kolb has done a great job with our district. And I continue, will continue his, uh, his values and be your voice in Albany. Please remember, I am the only candidate who has served, <coughs> excuse me, in the minority in an elected office. Uh, serving my tenure on city council often is the only Republican. I'm experienced with working all, with all parties, people, and my main goal is to get the job done. I do this by bringing facts, information, research, and I also am very experienced at planning projects and looking at them from the very beginning with research, an implementation plan, a uh, development plan, 
and following up to make sure, which I think is more important, as Jeff had alluded to, that these laws and legislation are just done at the, oh, that sounds like a good idea, let's do it. That is not how we should be passing legislation. Um, I am the only candidate with a proven conservative fiscal record. I took my role as a city council person as steward of the taxpayers' money very seriously. Never did we at the city of Canandaigua exceed the tax gap when I was in council, and never have I ever supported any new tax. I am the candidate who will bring experience, knowledge, integrity, and planning expertise, which I think is very much needed, to Albany and fight for what is right. All right, Jeff? Imagine a New York state that does not have the worst tax climate in the nation. That actually helps its businesses create jobs and opportunity for its residents. That treats its social welfare programs as hand-ups, not handouts. That doesn't tread on the rights of its citizens. This is the change that we need to fight for in Albany. These are our common values. This is the future that we must demand. As your next assemblyman, I will fight every single day for you. Together, we will make our voices heard. And we will improve this community and make it a better place to live, to work, to visit, and raise a family. Join me in this journey. Please visit my webpage at shipleyforassembly.com. And on June 23rd, vote for Jeff Shipley. Thank you. Jeff? Thank you, Josh. I'm a get-your-hands-dirty kind of guy. Honest, dependable, approachable. Uh, I take that very seriously. My constituents in the town of Manchester will tell you how accessible I am. You call me on the phone. I'm willing to come to your house and meet with you or discuss your problems on the phone. I will go to Albany and fight like hell for everybody up here in the 131st. I've been digging and scratching my whole life to make things better in my community. My roots run very deep in the Ontario County community. I've been on the, the uh, Clifton Springs YMCA Board of Directors for 27 years, giving back to my community. I have been on the, on the uh, uh, sale board, Shortsville American Legion, for 26 years. Um, my roots run deep. I work hard. I am a results-oriented kind of person that relates to the voter here in the 131st. When you elect me to this assembly seat, you will see large changes come to the 131st. Thank you. Anne-Marie? Hi. Okay. Well, as a farmer, I am used to working hard, and I am used to being in the minority when I do go to Albany to advocate, because farmers are only 1% of the population in New York State or less. I am often the minority at town board meetings and around the area where people just don't understand. But I relish that. I am a communicator. I am great at building relationships. Like I, said, I already have a network in Albany, and I have a network locally with local lawmakers also. So when I get to Albany, I'll be able to hit the ground running and be able to continue to advocate for Upstate, just like I have been doing for many, many years. I've always been an active part of the community. I've always you know, done community service in the area along with the advocating that I've done with the Farm Bureau. I know how to run a business. I know how to look at things and make sure things run efficiently. 
Uh, my experience working with the DOD, I understand that there are issues that are bigger than just, you know, than, than just cutting costs and looking at things that way. Unfortunately, you know, there are other things such as pandemics and all we have to deal with. So while I sit here and say, I want to lower taxes, I want to lower regulations, I want to make it so it's cheaper to do business here, I'm also realistic. And I think that's something that I understand is that I'm a realistic person, I will go to Albany, I will work with the people downstate, as well as the people upstate, I will work with my constituents and I will try to get the best outcome possible for us. And go to annemarieforassembly.com and join me for coffee at 7.30 in the morning on Facebook Live. Thanks for tuning in to our special FO1 News primary debate between the Republican candidates for New York State Assembly District 131. Special thanks to the Town of Geneva Republican Committee as well as the candidates for all working to facilitate this debate. For the latest news, weather, sports, entertainment, breaking alerts, and on-demand content like this, download the FingerLakes1.com app. It's available for Android and iOS devices. Remember to cast your ballot by June 23rd if you're a resident of the 131st District and registered to vote. Take care, and thanks for listening.